Uh, I think your question was when um, did they finally integrate the uh, pupils? And I worked at Mason for three years and uh, requested a transfer. And when I left, they were still uh, self-contained rooms, and I asked for a transfer to Enright Middle, which was an all-black school. And I really, I, I, I stayed in touch sometimes with the uh, uh, teachers who had, uh, had left there, but I've forgotten when they integrated that. So Eventually started, it happened, but I don't know when. They started in 61, and, and that case was done in 54, and, and so now we're, we're like 64, and, and yes. St. Louis has not, in a, had not integrated yet, is that? Well, they were in integrated building. They were integrated as far as the buildings were concerned, but they were all self-contained. For the, for, for the most part, yes. So you stayed in that school. And so so truly, you, you, you're vague on, on when people did. When they actually integrated the pupils, yes. <laughs> what effect do you think that it had on the, on the children that went to Mason School and were in self-contained classrooms in a white school rather than being in a segregated all-black school? I'm not sure if it had that much effect one way or the other, to tell you the truth. Uh, once they uh, graduated from elementary school, they went to a, uh, they would have gone to Soldan. That's where they would have gone. And I think Soldan was integrated, although there weren't that many whites, I think, who lived in that area at that time. I think it all run by then. Okay. Um, do you, well, we talked about uh, your friends of another color when you were mm -hmm. with white. Mm -hmm. um, um, do you think that will ever change? Do you think people are just so separate? I was going to say I have, first of all, I don't have a lot of close friends, black or white. I never did. Not male friends, anyway. I have more female uh, friends than I would black. But uh, there was one guy I worked with the union with for a long time. As a matter of fact, he taught my, uh, my grandsons uh, at school, and he worked in the union office, and he's an officer with the union now. And. Uh, so we frequently uh, have brunch together every so often, run our miles of one another and stuff like that. Or I'll go by his school and doing his understanding period, and we're very close friends. I think I couldn't be any closer to him than I could be with anyone else. And uh, I think we both feel the, the same way about uh, one another. 
I have uh, several white female friends that through my association with the union, and I've been away from there a long time. As a matter of fact, one of them is no longer even working uh, for the school board. But we still eat lunch together every so often and kick around old times and new times and what's going on with one another and stuff like that. Stereotypes. Where do you think they come from? Hollywood would be a good place to put the blame. I can recall when I was in elementary school uh, a movie that we were shown which depicted blacks with black faces, red eyes, and huge white lips. And these were shown regularly in school. Uh, and I can recall that. Uh, you look at the uh, they had this, the Wild Wild West, uh, there was a little pre little write-up in the paper about it. Oh. They were talking about the cavalry coming to the rescue and how every movie you see is white cavalry and said it's more likely it was the 9th or 10th cavalry, which was all black, but they never show it. They talk, uh, they this show... Is last night, is this it, Yeah, it began last yes. night, right. Uh, they showed this uh, uh, documentary on uh, on this uh, well, uh, Patton, this movie Patton. Mm -hmm. um, they showed Patton leading uh, the tanks into Bastogne to uh, break the uh, German grip, and they were all white. It wasn't a white tank outfit at all. It was all black tank outfit, one of the few they had, they didn't have a lot of them, but it was one of the few they had, and they were the ones who led the attack and broke them, but they didn't show one black face. So I think, yeah, that's where the, most of it comes from, absolutely, I don't think there's any question about it. some things that left, took a long time to get over. There is a restaurant at Clayton and uh, Big Ben. I forgot the name of it. Clayton and Big Ben is uh, just down the street from the Esquire Theater. So oh, then Parkmore. Parkmore used to be at Coat Brian and King's Highway the heart of the black neighborhood. And they never allowed a black to come in there unless they went in there to take get a takeout order. 
it was a long time after they had moved and they, integration came along and they would permit black skin. It was a long time before I could bring myself to go in that restaurant. And I go in it now and I remember how blacks were treated then, because we lived over in that neighborhood. Uh, Howard Johnson's had almost that same stigma. They were at King's Highway and Natural Bridge. Mm-hmm. He made the remark that he'd never have a black come in there and eat in there, but eventually he did. He had to, but it was a long time before I could go, <laughs> before I could go in there. Because you were uncomfortable or because you were angry? I was angry because I wanted to throw a firebomb in it. Some say St. Louis is a racially polarized city, Um, that there are two separate societies and that racism is in the air that we breathe and the water we drink. Mm -hmm. I agree. He didn't even let me ask my question. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> yes. Well, talk more about that. Well, look at the mayor. The mayor's race here. And I don't think anyone more shocked than me because I swore he'd never be elected. Bosley? Yeah. Now, but now, for the sake of the tape, Bosley is a candidate. Democratic candidate for mayor. He won the Democratic primary. Yes. But I think he's got a clear shot. The Republican candidate who is running for mayor will get more votes than any Republican has gotten since. Um, Who was the last Republican president? Uh, But I'm wagering that he'll, that they will top whatever mark they've gotten for quite a while. They won't win, but they'll certainly get an awful lot of votes. Mm. <clears throat> In heavily Democratic St. Louis. Um, but you were surprised that Mr. Bosley. I was surprised that Bosley won. Yes, I didn't think he. No, I didn't think he'd pull it off. And why do you think he was able to? I. Uh, I think he was able to because he did something that Villa didn't do. Although he didn't think he would get many votes on the South Side, he went anyway. And he laid out his program and uh, didn't help him much over there, but it helped him in the Central Corridor, which made all the difference in the world. Um, Mr. DeBose, what part of St. Louis seems like home to you? I guess it would have to be north side because that's where I live most of my life. Mm-hmm. And where else do you feel acknowledged? Well, the only two places I lived was on the north side or on the central west end. And yet you felt like moving in? Um, but uh, uh, there wasn't a conscious effort to get away from anything. Um, we decided that uh, we no longer wanted to live in that particular condominium where we were in the Central West End, and any place was open. We were just looking 
you know, just happened. We found this place where we are. Is there an area of St. Louis that you do not enter, will not enter, don't want to enter, have never entered? No, I'll go anywhere. Uh, when I first uh, became president of the union, uh, schools were not integrated, the school staffs were not integrated. Uh, I'd set up meetings on all Southside schools where there was not one black teacher anywhere in the building and argued the union cause. And because I've visited so many schools, there's no area of St. Louis that I probably have not been to numerous times. Even out west? West, yes. I've been everywhere. Um, where do you see people interact with blacks Sure, there are plenty of places where this occurs, but I just can't think of any right now. Well, when I started this, and, and my thinking was along, you know, this what I'm doing right now, I began to go when I would go places. I'd think, who is here? Mm -hmm. Who's not here? Um, who is here? Is here? <laughs> I wonder how they feel and if they're comfortable, or whether it was a a, a, a black person going into a more an area that was uh, predominantly white, or a, or, a, or a white person going into an area that was predominantly black. Wow. And and you know where I found venture, venture. People go, they mingle, they bump into each other. They excuse me. Um, you ask a question. Well, we, uh, my wife and I, are very venture, uh, uh, venturesome about where we go uh, for dinner uh, or lunch or anything like that. And we have been every and anywhere. We don't rule out any place. And inevitably, people are extremely kind and many, many times go out of the way to make you feel comfortable. We we found that to be true. Um, some say St. Louis is the most northern city in the South. That's been said a lot of times. I've heard that. Yes. Do you feel St. Louis is unique in its racial attitudes and experiences from other places? No, not really. I just look at what I described in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in '36. And uh, compare that to, well, I guess I got a well-rounded education because I lived in Grand Rapids, Michigan for a year, and then I went and lived in uh, uh, about three or four years after that. Lived a year in uh, Mobile, Alabama, and there couldn't be, while there were differences, there were a lot of similarities, too. Mm -hmm. 
Um, how do you feel about race relations today? We've kind of covered that. But how do you feel that attitudes and activities and perceptions have changed? And not only yours, but other people's? And uh, what is different and when did it change? And from, from the 40s type of life now. The racial attitudes. Right. Um, And they're still changing, I think, in a state of flux right now. But uh, well, we went from strict integration, from strict segregation in the '40s, to a uh, a period where we were going to match up every black and white in the world for a while. And uh, then we gradually came to a period where people were saying, uh, there's no segregation. The blacks have every opportunity everybody else has. So they don't need anything special done for them. Of course, blacks say they need one thing done for them to make what you say true change their color, which is what we can't do. Because the one thing that separates us from everyone else is the color. And that's not true, not only true of this country, I think it's true of blacks in almost every country that, that I've been able to read about, or hear news reports about. And that is not to say that I want to change my color, and there are a lot of blacks who don't want to change it. They simply say, that is the that difference. Is right. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. mm. If you turned out the lights, nobody could tell. No one would know the difference. Mm. Okay. Do you feel that it should ever become a colorblind society? No. I don't think so. My grandsons might disagree with that. So. Mm. Um, the changes in St. Louis during your lifetime uh, might have had the most impact on you personally. Changes in what? In St. Louis, whether it's the laws mm. or the way people act. to give some thought to that. I can't think of anything offhand. Would you say it was uh, integration in schools? Would you, did you come back and go on the GI Bill? Yes. If you had the power to change things, what would you do? Change that one thing. I make everyone one color. One color. Or I would make blacks white. I'd make all whites black. So we'd all be black. Yes. Um, what have your children told you about race? Your son, what has he told you when he was growing up? 
Hmm, I'm not sure if he really discussed it that much, uh, because he, uh, he went to an integrated school. What year was he born? He was born in 47. And where did you live in? And what school did he go to? Um, he went to seven school. We were living in that neighborhood, so he went to the same place. And in 54, when they uh, supposedly integrated the school, uh, at that time I was living on Lavity, 3900 block of Lavity, and he was still walking all the way up to Simmons. But then they integrated the schools. There weren't many whites to integrate because they all ran. But um, we live. Yes, we live right around the corner from Farragut School, a block from our house, and he began Farragut School. And it was uh, turned out to be the worst thing that could have ever happened to him. In that. Um, all the teachers were white. It was terribly overcrowded. Rooms of 45 and 50 were not unusual. They put, uh, as a matter of fact, they put one black uh, assistant principal there to try to maintain some kind of order. Now I can remember going to visit the school, to visit uh, the teacher at his school. And when I stepped into the door, it sounded like a riot was going on in that damn room. And she was screaming at them, and no one was paying any attention to her. And I looked at my son, he was sitting over in the corner looking out the window. He had just withdrawn from it, looking out the window, tapping his pencil on the desk and bit wondering what's going on, but he was withdrawn from the chaos in the dorm room. I'm not sure if he ever recovered from that, although he ended up uh, going um, to college. He did extremely well, but uh, we even got some therapy for him because he, he he had, he had reached a point where he'd learned to do that, to just withdraw and let the world go by. Mm -hmm. But uh, he seems to he seems to recover. He's done pretty well. But a lot of a lot of black children were killed. I say what I call killed educationally. Uh, during that period, because there were other schools that were all black schools, uh, where they had that kind of uh, chaotic situation, and um, it was not good at all. It just wasn't good at all. My sister, who had six children, my younger sister had six children. Her two oldest uh, boys turned out to have were very uh, poor students, but they went through that same chaotic experience that uh, my son went through. 
Now the uh, four who came along after that, they had begun to correct it. They had begun to build uh, additional buildings to, to, to reduce that class size and stuff like that. And you could tell the difference in. So what went into the fact that made it chaotic? The, the size of the class? The size of the classroom, the teacher couldn't handle the couldn't handle the children. The white teacher. Yeah, generally couldn't handle the couldn't handle the children. So there was a very little there was very little education going on. Um, so that was a that was a difficult time for your child. Yes. Did you, were you able to go to the, um, and this school was, was this, this wasn't Simmons? Was no, it was Farragut Elementary. Farragut. Mm -hmm. Farragut. Mm -hmm. And what, can you, can you recall the grade that he was in? I think it was about fourth grade, something fourth like that. Grade. I don't recall any specific conversations, although I'm sure we probably had we probably had some. The only one that I really remember was when he was in high school and he had a uh, he wanted to go to O'Fallon Technical High School. He wanted to take auto mechanics for some reason. So we allowed him to do so. Uh, all the shop teachers, uh, technical and industrial teachers, they were called. 99% uh, of them were white because they were put in there by um, the various uh, labor organizations and the like. And uh, I went over to uh, see, he was having an awful lot of difficulty with that shop, with that particular teacher. And I went over to uh, see about him. And uh, the counselor, I talked to the counselor about it, and he was going to take me down to him, but don't tell him that I'm a teacher. So I don't want him to know that. Mm -hmm. And so we went down to talk to him, and you never heard such ridiculous nonsense. As a matter of fact, after I finished talking with him, the counselor was apologizing for his ineptitude and his ignorance and the like. And I finally, uh, my son was not with me uh, at that time. But after I talked to him, I pointed out to him what kind of fool he had for a teacher and he said, well, I've been trying to tell you that all along. I said, yes, but I didn't believe it until I went over there and mm -hmm. talked to him. And we had to sit down and just work out strategies. Since I said, there's no one else teaching this course, you've got to take it. Mm -hmm. And we, we worked out some strategies to get around him. Mm -hmm. To survive in the particular Absolutely. And much of it revolved uh, around uh, what uh, he had said that he, he's prejudiced, that's what's wrong with him. And I didn't believe that either. I said, you're putting, 
he, I thought he was just making excuses for not doing well in that class. That's what I thought at first until I had a chance to talk to him. And we had to work our strategies and we had to discuss race and, and uh, not only race but uh, uh, what you have to do with any teacher. You have to learn what that teacher expects and then learn how to deliver. It's a game, and you have to learn to play it, and you have to do that. You're going to have to do that when you get leave here and you get a job. You're going to have to do it. Mm-hmm. To some extent, he's a little hard-headed. But his life was different than yours. Yes, he's a policeman. Oh, I would think so. Yeah. Was mm-hmm. there a main difference? Oh, not really. He could go and do. He could, he could pretty much go and do what he wanted. Uh, generally. Mr. Bowes, it, it has a feel to be a parent and, and see your child be able to go and do the things that were absolutely prohibited for you. Mm. Just never thought about it, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Grandchildren? Mm-hmm. So, what, what, do you, what do you see for their future? Oh, unless you do a heck of a lot better than well, I'm, I'm not so sure of that. I hope they do as well as I did, or as well as their father did, because there's no assurance that uh, you find so many children now that are doing worse than their parents. Uh, yeah. Worse in what way? Oh, in earning income, uh, 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 things like that, uh, generally. Uh, I have one uh, grandson who's 23, and he he goes to hire his teachers. I didn't think he should have gone. He won a scholarship, is what he did, and um, the scholarship people wanted to send him to uh, all black school, all black college. As a matter of fact, it was this Bill Bill Clay Scholarship Fund. And they try to send all of the people they give scholarships to to all traditionally all black schools they wanted. And they gave them a choice of Tuskegee, Bennett College, uh, Fisk, a number of uh, seven black schools could have gone to. His mother wouldn't let him leave town now. So they finally, although they didn't like it, the committee who handled it didn't like it because they didn't want him to go to Harris. They uh, ended up paying for him to go to Harris. So that's where he is, and he works part-time as, he's an artist is what he is, and he works part-time as a uh, illustrator for army manuals. He worked for the, I don't good fellow, the, uh, but they keep threatening to close that. Yeah.
to St. Louis, I'd like you to just go back to your, your childhood for a minute. Okay. Um, did, did, you, um, did you do things like the, the Baal Prophet parade? Did you, did you parents? Yes. Did you yes, well, that was a big event in our lives to go to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you pick a place or take dinner or how did how did it happen? No, we um, always walked and tried to get there early enough where we would be right at the curb so mm -hmm. we could see it well. Mm -hmm. um, and when the civil rights movement began, to, were you ever did you ever participate or or? observe anything that went on with civil rights in St. Louis? Uh, no, I never marched or did any of those things because I was not going to agree to getting pushed or struck without fighting back. I said, I will not be a good candidate, so they wouldn't let me do it. Okay. Um, is, there, is there anything that um, is on your mind that you've been thinking about as we've been talking and um, that you'd like to talk about or mention that I haven't brought up? Not really. <laughs> All right. Would you like to talk about any of your experiences in the Union that you think might be the union was separated, segregated. The teachers union. No. No. It no. Wasn't. No. It, it was, was integrated. It was integrated, and it uh, <clears throat> once I became president, it uh, people began to think that it was a, an all-black organization. Uh, a lot of people did. Uh, because we were able to recruit mainly um, former uh, black teachers than we were uh, white teachers. Um, I don't know why that is. Most of the white teachers belong to the Teachers Association, which was thought to be the more professional, quote, organization. They didn't look on the union as being professional as such. Excuse me. And uh, when I first became involved, I guess we only had about 500 members in the union. And uh, after threatening to go on strike uh, two or three times, uh, membership quadruple. It seemed that once we uh, started going on strike, they felt if they were going on strike, there was greater protection if it belonged to the union than if, than if it belonged to the association, because at least you had the backing of the other laboring groups in town, and they did give us a very strong backing, although they really couldn't help that much. They voiced their uh, support and that helped, uh, that helped considerably. Mm -hmm. You enjoyed that part of your life? Never liked it. Never liked it? I don't know. 
I ran for president at the urging of friends. I didn't want to do that because I'm not that outgoing an individual. I do not want to get up and talk in front of people. Uh, I would rather be the person who manipulates the person in front than be the one in front myself. And uh, I had several friends who kept urging me to do it. And I did. Marion Odom was one. Uh, you might know Marion Odom by name, if no. Uh, I, I know Marion Odom. Marion and I graduated from elementary and high school together, so I've known Marion a very long time. We ended up teaching at the same school in Wright Middle, and she kept urging me every day, you're going to have to become active. Well, I belonged to the union. There was no question about it. I had belonged to unions previously, and I believed in unions. So I joined without anyone asking me to. They sent me a card, and I joined. But she thought I should become more active than uh, several others. They kept arguing with me, and I finally ran, and by some fluke, I was elected. I never wanted to. I really didn't believe me. I, if someone had told me then that I'd be around in that organization for eight years, I'd have told me a lie because I'm not going to do it. And when were you elected? Wasn't well, in the sixty-six, somewhere sixty-eight, somewhere in there. Well, okay. she was very uh, involved in CORE. Yes. Yes. That's true. And you chose not to. You know, I, I had lost uh, uh, I had lost contact with Marion once we graduated from high school, and so I didn't really renew uh, our acquaintances until we began teaching together. And uh, I wouldn't have done it anyway. Uh, uh, I just couldn't. I didn't mind going to jail or anything like that, but I was not going to be pushed around by anyone. Um, want to talk about your Army experiences? In any um, terms, that, how did that change you coming back here? It didn't really change me. It, all it did was to uh, It made me realize that uh, what we had done didn't amount to anything. It didn't amount to anything. As, as a black. As a black, it, it didn't it didn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. As long as you were black, you were going to be whatever you had been previously. It was not going to change anything. And uh, I think every, all the other guys who uh, went through that felt the same way. I had an opportunity to meet the one, two, the three of them actually live in St. Louis. That's a pretty good number to live in one place. We were all trained at the same place. We went through exactly the same experiences, yet none of us ever knew one another until we met about two months ago. And we were exchanging uh, remembrances. And it's odd how the tricks your memory play on you. Uh, I could remember vividly the training facility and how difficult it was because it was cold winter. We lived in some big uh, brick barracks. 
uh, no glass in any of the windows. It was in February. No, right, yes, right after Christmas, first of February. Where was it, Mr. Dupont? Uh, Nyon, France. And uh, they uh, gave us, uh, when we arrived there, uh, they divided us off into groups of six. It looked like it had been some kind of horse training facility because it was a huge barn there where they set up the uh, mess hall and all of that. But uh, they signed us the room and we walked into that room. The six of us walked in that room. We didn't know one another. Uh, there was a fireplace there. There was a concrete floor and no glass in the windows. They said, we, uh, where are we going to sleep? Said the bunks haven't arrived as yet. Said they should be here in a couple of weeks. Said send one of your persons. Gave us a ticket. Said this is your wood ration card. Go to such and such a place and pick up your wood ration. One guy took the ration card. He came back with six sticks of green log about that long and about that thick. It was late evening and it, it, it got dark, begun to get dark. We burned up every piece of paper, scrap of paper we could get, trying to make those logs burn. And we finally got it started, but it was not putting out any warmth that would amount to anything. So we finally decided the only way we were going to stay warm was to go to sleep. And we took half of our raincoats the ponchos they really were and we laid the six on the ground each person had two blankets and we put six blankets on top of that then we put the other blankets on top of us and we would cheat the jaw every time one person turned the other all of the rest of us had to turn and of course we kept on all of our clothing the only thing the only thing we took off well that's why we had to keep turning because the people on the end wanted to get in the middle the only piece of clothing we took off was the steel pot we kept every doggone thing else on but it was weeks before we they finally they never did they, they never did uh, put the glass in the windows and uh, the wood ration got a little better so we learned to uh, stay warm but you fell out every morning to go to uh, breakfast and the breakfast was in this long barn it was open at both ends in the water the air blew straight through it snow was knee deep you volunteered for this one. yeah so you couldn't complain <laughs> you could not complain because you, but you didn't want to be in the service of areas of the I wanted to get out of that yes but you could not complain because, uh, as I said, you, you better not complain. I'll tell you in a minute, nobody asked you to come here. And for the sake of the tape, I would like to say that in that in the Second World War, Negroes were only able to be in service. Generally in service areas. There were few in combat outfits, but very, very few. And uh, the only... Uh, 
infantrymen were in two divisions, one in Italy and one in the South Pacific, and their reputations were not too good. They were all black outfits with white officers. And the person who pushed to integrate in Europe was uh, Benjamin O. Davis, who was the only black general at the time. He was a brigadier general. He talked to Eisenhower into doing it. And uh, uh, the fellow who has done all the research on stuff has all kinds of letters, so generals fought like hell against it. They did not want it to happen. But since Eisenhower had given his word to Davis, he ordered it done. And they did all, they did, they threw every roadblock they could think of. Even to the point where we had gone through the training uh, and were ready to be assigned to uh, the various divisions, they were still trying to figure out excuses where they wouldn't have to make this. <laughs> And he has letters to those effect. They actually put it in writing. And after all that, you come home and you feel that you're, nothing has changed. You had changed, maybe. I had changed, yes. Came home, went on a furlough, reported back to Jefferson Barracks to go to my next assignment, which was in Texas, Camp Swift, Texas. Um, there are about a dozen of us, I imagine, who um, were going to Camp Swift. And there were what, about three, four blacks. Again, guys I didn't know. And uh, we caught the train here. Texarkana, they put us in a Jim Crow car. in the Jim Crow car. We rode together up to that point. Texarkana, they put us in the Jim Crow car. We got to Dallas. The uh, sergeant who had the meal tickets said, I'll be right back, fellas. I'm going to find some place for us to eat. Black sergeant. No, he's white. White. He's white. We sat around. We waited, 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 waited. We finally came back. He said, fellas, I'm sorry. I cannot find anywhere that will let us eat together. He said, I'll just give you your meal tickets and you try to do the best you can. And I had my combat infantryman's badge. I had all my ribbons and that didn't make any difference. Mr. Brother, what did you want to do? I beg your pardon? What did you want to do then? I wanted to blow up Dallas. Which is what a lot of black troops used to do down in some of those southern camps. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they uh, in some of those uh, southern camps during World War II, um, they kept the ammunition locked up and they took the firing pins out of all the weapons where they couldn't be fired. Why do you think St. Louis has never had a, a, a real riot like other places? I've often wondered why they've never had that. I always say that uh, the riot will come when they integrate the schools, but it didn't happen. And I just don't know why it never happened. When they integrate the schools? Yes. So I why see. did you think it would be 
because I, I felt the South Side was not going to permit it to happen. Oh, because you thought the whites would not? Yeah, I felt they would not permit it to happen. But they did. They took their children out of school, that's all, for the most part. to Camp Swift. It was another segregated army post where the blacks were sitting all in one corner of the facility and the whites were in another. Um, there was one show that the blacks went to, were permitted to go to, uh, one movie uh, theater. Uh, there was one PX that blacks were permitted to go to. And since most of us there were anticipating being discharged uh, very shortly, uh, we wouldn't do anything about it. Under normal circumstances, I said, if we were sitting there waiting to go overseas and not knowing what was going to happen, we wouldn't have put up with it. But we decided we just couldn't afford to get into any difficulty that would keep us from being discharged and end up in the guardhouse or something like that. And so you took all that crap uh, at the time when you wouldn't have done it under uh, any other circumstance. You just wouldn't have done it. All right. Are we done? Yes, I think so. <laughs> it would be like, uh, discussing uh, with, uh, when I met these guys, uh, they would start talking about something, and I remember something that just hadn't crossed my mind for the last 30 or 40 years. Just hadn't thought about it. Um, I wrote up a lot of uh, things that I could remember, could remember happening, uh, various engagements that we were engaged in, some funny, some not so funny at all. Yes. Um, You're doing this for a book? Right? Yes. A for, the, of yours is for the book he's putting together. He's putting together yeah. And uh, my son happened to pick it up and he said, I didn't know you were in the Army. I just never talked about it. And uh, she, uh, even, even my wife, uh, he said, you didn't tell me all that. I said, well, you weren't interested anyway. What, what, what could you care? You wouldn't care about that. I said, I didn't think anyone else was care. And I, just, and I still don't. It's not a big deal to me, at least. I don't think so. Men are very funny people. Hmm? Men are very funny people. We are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that we lived in, uh, 
were like self-contained communities. Uh, peopled primarily, almost exclusively by blacks, uh, except for uh, people who owned stores uh, and the like. And uh, they had everything in them, um, restaurants, uh, uh, schools were all there. And it was a pleasurable experience. I thought we had some good times. Maybe I didn't know what good times were, but I thought we did. And we just closed out all the other stuff that had to do with uh, race or anything like that. It was always in the back of your mind, I'm sure, but you just didn't pay that much attention to it because it, it didn't enter too much into your everyday life. It was only when you went outside that cocoon, which wasn't that often. There have been a lot of discussions on, you know, was that a better way? Um, wasn't a better way if we could just pull the best out of, yes. of what, what that was and make it work today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Speaking to a, uh, the young girl that I work, a uh, young lady that I work with, she's about 40 now or something like that. When I was downtown, she worked for me, and now that she's working, she called and asked me if I wanted to help her now, I work for her. But anyway, she, uh, she, she was talking about uh, various nightclubs and stuff like that. And I said, honey, it came along too late. There was a time when you could have stayed completely in the black community and on Friday and Saturday night you could have gone to hear Jimmy Forrest and I started naming off some of the great jazzmen. Say they all played here in these little nightclubs and bars. What was the one in Delmar that was very famous? Uh, it was a nightclub. I know uh, uh Rivera. Rivera. Yes. Said you could have gone to, you could have seen all of those, and said you could have spent your whole weekend doing it, and every weekend, and never see the same person again. But you don't do it. But they don't exist any longer because uh, it's diffused now, and it just doesn't exist. What were the movies, the movie houses that you? Uh, the Amethyst. It was on Pendleton. It was in Poro College on Pendleton. Poro College still exists. No, no, they tore it down. They have that uh, housing. Uh, uh, the is right there. Uh, uh, there was a there was a Douglas on Finney, and then the Cream de Cream. There was another one on Finney. It was right there at Finney and uh, Sarah. I don't remember the name of it. What made it the cream to cream? It was the newest, and uh, they got the, uh, most of the first run movies, and they were putting out for loud talking. Oh, so there, that was really. <laughs> <laughs> you had to behave yourself if you went. <laughs> I was reading an article about uh, uh, Billy Eckstein. Uh, First time I saw Bill X, they used to have not only movies, 
but they'd have the midnight live uh, performances there. And the uh, first time I saw Billy Eckstein was at that theater. Um, and there were several others that used to play there. And we saw them. It didn't start at 12 o'clock at night. And I just think about how we walked. I lived over on St. Louis Avenue and we used to walk over there and then walk back. No fear. No fear whatsoever. Oh, you may get a bloody nose or something like that, or get hit in the head a little while. You didn't have to worry about getting killed because no one had, people had guns, but nobody carried a gun around to shoot anyone. Well, what about the, the different black neighborhoods in those days? Uh, the dividing line was grand. Mm -hmm. You're talking the Ville. Yes, I lived in the Ville. The dividing line was Grand Avenue, and you could get in all kinds of trouble being caught east of Graham by the wrong people. A black could? Yes, yes, from other blacks. And uh, it was the same way being west of Graham. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, we looked at uh, being west of Graham as being in, uh, you had moved up a notch mm -hmm. if you live west of Graham. It was a status thing. It was a status thing. Uh, um, when I was born, uh, we lived on Compton. No, no, we didn't. We lived on Morgan Street, which is now Del Mar. And uh, we moved from there to Compton. I used to tell people I was born in the Gateway Hotel. It was on Lawton Avenue. But the Gateway Hotel, when I was born, was city hospital number two for blacks. And I always tell people I was born in the Gateway Hotel. Um, when you married somebody, mm -hmm. okay, was it better to marry somebody that lived west of well, did, you, did it work like that too? Well, it, it didn't work because you didn't know anyone. You didn't know anyone? Uh, it, there was very little interaction. Um, we played basketball and we played basketball against Vashon. Mm -hmm. But we played home and home. They would play out here and we'd play down here. And it was almost like you had armed guards to get you down there and then get you out of there. And we're talking about 19... We're talking about 1939 and 40 and 41, yes. They played in the Pine Street Y, which was a little bandbox. And we would have not an armed escort, but you can believe we'd be well escorted to get us in there and get us out. By your parents? <coughs> no, the teachers, teachers, male teachers and the like, to get us in there and get us out of there. Uh, but the likelihood of you marrying someone uh, from that neighborhood was remote because you'd had no interaction, unless you went to college. Unless you went to? To college. college. Because uh, you would probably go to store teachers where you would be interacting, uh -huh. or you would go to Lincoln. I never would have met my wife had not had not been for the fact we both went to Lincoln. She lived 
over on the south side, over on Compton. Uh, south, no, off of Compton. She lived over there near uh, Lafayette and Compton. If you have any idea where that is, on the south side. That's where that's where she lived. There was a little enclave of blacks who lived over there, and that's where she lived. I never would have met her except she went to Lincoln, and we and both so ended up going to Lincoln. She had gone to Vashon. She had gone to Vashon. So she, she did very well. Yes. She married somebody else. <laughs> well, it's it's it works that way. But her neighborhood was completely separate from our neighborhood. But they had the same things over there as we had in in ours. So, her did her area have a name? I think she she is called it Southside. Southside. Mm -hmm. right. So was the Southside her little enclave where she lived different than the city? What do you mean different? Well, than the city? in other words, in other words, we're talking about class here, really, aren't we? We're talking about the class system. Uh, we might have thought of it as being class, but uh, no one was really that much advanced over anyone else, tell you the truth. Well, since... Now, people in their minds might have right. thought that, right. yes. Well, we all think right. that in some way, mm -hmm. shape, or form. Uh, whites on white areas of, of right. where people live. St. Louis mm -hmm. is a neighborhood town, or was, but... Um, in other words, her enclave in the ville, were they more similar than somebody that lived more in the city, a black that lived in the heart of the city? She lived over on the south side. We lived in the ville. Yeah, Correct. but somebody maybe that lived closer to the Sean High School or... Um, I don't think that would have been that much different. Mm -hmm. No. Maybe not, but in people's minds is what I'm saying. That might have been. Uh, but you're talking about the Mill Creek area yes. where there Thank would you. where there would have been uh, yeah uh, a lot of uh, uh, it was a huge black community right. in the Mill Creek yeah. area. So, right. so would that have been maybe a little? No, they, they were similar because most of the things that uh, the people on the south side participated in mm -hmm. were on the north side of the railroad yard. So they had, so they had yeah, because she's like they they walked across the bridge to get to school, to get the movies, restaurants, they almost everything. So they 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 were pretty much in the same neighborhood, although they were isolated because they were on the other side of the railroad yard. I can't think of another thing. <laughs> I'm sure we could figure out something. <laughs> It reminds me of something else. Uh, we had that same rivalry with the enclave of blacks who lived in Kirkwood and in Webster Grove. Now, there were enclaves out there, and we played sports against both of them. And we had that same kind of fierce rivalry. And we also had it with 